God is good, right? Sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we don't, but He is good. You know, I, I realized something recently. And it's going to seem silly, but it's true. I realized we got a TV not too long ago, a new TV in our living room. And um, we watch movies on it sometimes. Every time we watch a movie, it just seemed like it was watching it in the dark. It was like really, I don't know, I was just not very pleased with our TV. I was like, this, you know, we spent all this on this TV, it should look better. I want these movies especially, but it was only on the movies. And I found this, I was messing around with the settings one day and I figured out the display settings. And if you hit the display settings, for some reason there's this mode called filmmakers mode on our TV and it defaults to filmmakers mode every time you go to a movie for some reason. And I realized that if you click a few times on that button, you get to Vivid. Anybody have their TV set on Vivid? They don't suggest it at the store <laughs> because you burn it up real quick. But when I found Vivid, I mean, that thing just, boom, came to life. I could see in a, do, in a, in a new way, right, a different way. I could, could see all the details that I couldn't necessarily see before. Now, part of that's because I'm going blind. Um, but um, it helped a lot to find that new perspective. When we come to Jesus Christ, as our Savior, and we give our lives to Him, we have a brand new perspective, right? We have a brand new way of seeing things, um, a way to see life and everything in a way that we hadn't seen it before. We repent and turn from our sin. The Holy Spirit comes to reside within us and gives us a new perspective. And this is a real thing. This is a real perspective of life that changes and so this morning, as we continue our sermon series in the book of Philippians, we come to chapter 3, which has typically been one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture, Philippians chapter 3. And we see that Paul is giving his own testimony. He's giving his own life as an example in a lot of ways to uh, the grace of God and the change that has happened in himself because of coming to Jesus and so the title of the message this morning is A New Perspective, because that's exactly what you and I should have as followers of Christ. It's a new perspective of life, of our past, of our present, and of the future as well. It's brand new eyes. Now, we're not transported out of this world, right? We still, through, we still walk through struggle, through pain but we see it in a different way. Not just different, but now we actually see what is true, what is eternal. We, we have the right perspective. And so we want to talk about that new perspective a little bit this morning in Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 14 and then kind of launch into this. Beginning in verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, <laughs> Paul, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. 
If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is life-changing, that it separates bone from marrow, it pierces like a double-edged sword. God, have your way this morning. May it pierce our hearts. Holy Spirit, apply it to our hearts, each one of us. May all the distractions fall by the wayside, Lord. May we hear from you today and respond in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is an interesting passage of Scripture. It starts off with Paul evidently being happy, right? He's like, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Yes, but then he was also angry because right after that he says, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Seems a bit conflicted there, right? Why, why is Paul a little bit, why does he speak this way? Well, he speaks this way because truth matters. Truth matters to Paul, truth matters to us, and the truth mattered in that day and age and in that church and in that culture because the very thing that Jesus had come to shed light on and to free them from and to break the chains, they were teaching. There were those who had gotten into the church and were talking about religion and talking about circumcision and all these things. And since Paul's conversion to Christianity, since he met Jesus, he has a different view of all that. He has a different view of something he previously saw a certain way, now he was different, and it was disturbing that some of these in that church that claimed to know Jesus and have a new life seemed to not have a new perspective. And he was passionate about it because here's what's at stake. Here's what's at stake for you and me this morning and for the world. If what the message of this book teaches is true, then what we understand about it, how we respond to it, is of utmost importance in our lives. 
And the message is that every man, woman, boy, and girl is separated from God in our sin, right? And headed for destruction, separation from God for eternity. But Jesus came to save us from that punishment, from that eternity separated from him. But without him, we're lost. We live hopeless lives without peace, without God's guidance and direction, without the fullness of life. And then we, we leave this life, we step over the threshold of death to be separated from God forever. And that's why Paul is so vehement about his message and that it not get conflicted in and of itself that the gospel stays the gospel because it is the utmost importance to everyone in this room, everyone up and down this block, everyone in this city and around the world. And so Paul is addressing in this particular situation some of these Jewish legalists, right? Who were distorting and confusing that message. They were t teaching that you must adhere to all these these. Uh, Traditions and ceremonies such as circumcision, physical cir circumcision to be accepted by God. But Paul was preaching that those in Jesus not only fulfilled all the requirements of the law, but every requirement for righteousness before holy God. And as a result, the call for us is faith. Put your faith in Jesus today. And so uh, Paul is describing here in these first few verses that it's a matter of the heart. It's not about what I do religiously, right? He said there in verse 3, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ. It's not about the religious things I do. It's not about all those things. It's about my boasting in Jesus Christ. And it's a circumcision of the heart. Paul talked about this in Romans Chapter 2, he said, circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. So it's something supernatural within you and within me. It's something supernatural that drew you to Jesus, and it's something supernatural that happened to you when you received him as Savior. That convinced you that he was who he said he was. It's not by religion. And so it's along with Paul that I give my life, and we as believers should give our lives to living out the gospel and sharing the gospel. And so I want us to look at a few ways in which the gospel, when we come to Jesus, he changes our perspective. He changes us in a supernatural way. What Paul was saying as he looked at them, he said, some of you have not been changed like this. Some of you still see things the same way. And so he gives us, as we read this, and them at that time, he gives us somewhat of a test, a little bit of a test. Test our faith, test ourselves by looking at his own testimony. And so we can test our own faith this morning, and I challenge you, encourage you to do that by testing our perspective of a few things. First of all, our perspective of our past. Paul says, but whatever gain were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. He says, I saw life a certain way, and now I see it a different way. In verse 8, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own. See, he's saying, I used to see life a certain way. I used to see God and spirituality and religion a certain way, but now I see it a different way. I see it with a different perspective. Paul goes into his testimony every now and then in Scripture, but it's mainly as a testimony to God's grace because he sees that God reached into a man whose heart was stone cold and changed him with the gospel. It's interesting, though. Paul doesn't say here, you know what? I was going through life, and I was pretty good. I was religious. You know, I kept to the law and all those things. And then I found Jesus, and I decided to start going to church a little bit. And I decided to start hanging out with Christians a little bit more. And I decided, you know what? I think my life could use some Jesus. It's not an appendix to Paul's life. You see it here. He says, no, there's an absolute change. There's an absolute difference. Everything is new. When he looks back on his life, he sees with clarity that it was garbage, he says. It was loss. You remember when Paul was converted, um, he encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, and then he said, his, he, he had these scales over his eyes and he, the Lord told him to go on to Damascus and Ananias, he met there and Ananias came in the name of the Lord and put his hands on his face and it says that scales fell off his eyes. These scales fell off of Paul's eyes. You and I, before we came to know Christ, we had scales on our eyes. The world all around us has scales on their eyes. So anything that Paul saw that he was trying to do to be religious. There was this aching, there was this yearning that we talk about, Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has set eternity in the heart of man. It's in every one of us, and there's this yearning, but we're, we're blind without Christ. And so Paul, when he looked at his life before, he was like, what a waste. It was useless what I was doing. It was garbage, and it got in the way of me seeing the truth for a while. Paul's perspective of his life and his life before Jesus was death to life. And so Paul is rebuking those in the church who are trying to just kind of bring along the past with them and say, you know what, this is, we'll add Jesus, but we still have this past. You ever look at an old photo of yourself? Like in a... I hate it when my family brings out like an old one of our high school yearbooks or something. I threw all mine away, burned them up, but my wife still has one around, I think. You know, I thought, for some reason, I thought that I was like the Fonz in high school. <laughs> I thought I was pretty cool. Man, when they open up that yearbook and I look, I gotta go, oh no, <laughs> who is that? I don't remember myself quite that way. It hurts. See, Paul at one point thought he was doing pretty good in life. He thought he was okay and he would talk about uh, his perspective before and his accomplishments before. But when he met Jesus, the Holy Spirit gave him a whole new view of who he actually was. See, before Jesus, we're in the darkness. The Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses. Jesus brings us to life. And the danger is that some of us would come to Jesus, and maybe some of you have, maybe, maybe some in this room have at some point in your life, and just added him to the, to the things that are already going on in your life, added him to some philosophy of life or whatever you had going on, added some religion. 
The Holy Spirit will not allow that. There are many philosophies in life. There are many philosophies in this world. You can, you can research them. You can find spiritual offerings and ideas and thoughts and um, lots of ideas that will help you improve your life, will help you improve your attitude, and that's what they, they market themselves as, and maybe they do that some. But that is not what the gospel is. That is not what Jesus is. Jesus has come to make all things new. My life before Christ was garbage. My efforts to find meaning and, and peace and happiness in my life were hopeless. My whole view now of life is different, of success and of failure, of my goals and purpose in life. Everything that was motivation for me before, my dreams... They've changed. And when you come to Christ, place your faith in Him as your Savior, a couple things happen. Number one, you're justified before God. Jesus does that by the blood of, on the cross. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that happens. If you came to Christ, if you've come to Him, that is your standing before God today. No matter how you feel, no matter how much you sinned last week, no matter how much you feel like you're backsliding or doing well, whatever. If you truly came to Jesus in faith, the blood has covered you, you are justified before the Father. But another thing happens. We are made spiritually alive. Ephesians 2.5 says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. And he does that in one way, by His Spirit. He gives us His Spirit. Romans 5.5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so I say all that to say this. If you have truly come to Jesus in faith, God's Spirit in you will give you a distaste for where you've come from will give you a new view of what you used to celebrate. The things that you used to find pursue for peace and for happiness will ring empty. I think one of the issues with this is when we come to Jesus not through repentance and the cross. And a lot of times that's what we're preaching today. We're, we're encouraging people just to add Jesus to their lives. If you'll just say this prayer, if you'll just come down today, let us mark you off. Let us report to the convention that we have somebody getting baptized. Whatever. Come on down and, and God will sort it all out. He'll make you better. He'll make your life better. You'll see. If we don't come through repentance and realizing that I'm a sinner, then I don't really come through Christ. If I can't see my sin and my life the way God sees it, then I can't really see in truth, let alone put my faith in Jesus to save me from what? If I never see my brokenness, if I don't see it as death, if I don't see it as idolatry, how can I really come to Jesus? Jesus said there'll be many on that day that say, Lord, Lord, 
didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. I don't know for you. Sometimes there's times in my life where it's just like, that, that's a scary verse. That can be a scary verse when I forget about the context of being sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. But when you come through the cross, when you come through repentance, there's salvation, there's justification forever. But I believe who Jesus is talking about right here, in a large way, are those who've come to Jesus not not out of desperate repentance and confession, not from conviction of sin, but for the promises of health and wealth and goodness to add to my life, right? To help me achieve my goals, to give me a better life. Jesus said, I come to give you life and to bring it to the full. He brings full life, abundant life, but we come to him out of repentance and confession brokenness. And you may say this more, well, I've, you know, I've been a Christian since I was a kid, so this is no problem. I don't really remember how I was before I came to Jesus, but... Well, what it ought to do is give us a correct vision. We ought to have a correct discernment. We have this perspective of a life without Jesus. And so you see your friends, you see your neighbors, you see your coworkers in that way. You see them broken and lost and living, kicking through the trash of life, looking for happiness. It should break our hearts. And when we come to them, when we share Jesus, when we demonstrate Jesus, we have to include repentance. We have to include, it's our brokenness because of sin. We can't just... Tell people to come to Jesus so your life is better. But also, listen, knowing that this morning, let me encourage you, walk in thankfulness. Walk in thankfulness that that's where God has brought you from. Whether you realize it or not, he's transferred you and I from darkness to light. It should, it should produce worship in my life. Remember what I talked about this last week, Paul said in 1 Timothy, he wrote to him, he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And then he goes on, for that very reason I was shown patience so that in me, the worst of sinners, he might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those that believe on him. And then he says, now to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He worshiped. He remembered that. He remembered his life the way it used to be, the road that he was on to destruction and that God in his grace reached down and grabbed him. Think about that. If you've been saved since you were a young kid or whatever, praise God for that. Praise that he reached down and reached through the people around you and your circumstances and spoke to you and drew you to himself. It also should give us a correct perspective of our sin. When we see what Jesus suffered on the cross, when we have communion together and, and celebrate the Lord's Supper together, it should stir up a remembrance of Jesus on the cross. That's what God thinks of who I was. That he would go to the cross and suffer and die that way because of who I am. So, praise God. Thankfulness. So, I, I have a different perspective of my past, right? But I also have a different perspective of my present he said in verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. Listen, Paul used to get up, get up every morning with a to-do list, right? Persecute Christians, check. 
Study up on the Torah, check. Head down to the temple and debate, check. His days were filled with thoughts centered on advancing himself. His plans and strategies, right? How to make the most of his life and the most of his time. When he met Jesus, that all changed. That all became totally different. Paul said all of that is a waste. He had a new purpose. His purpose was, I want to know Christ. Every day, every strategy, every relationship measured and touched by what he saw as, this is how he described it, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's saying that's worth more than everything else. You know, when I, was, when I went into the Air Force, I was a young guy, 20 years old, and I went from, in one day, I went from thinking about getting some money to hang out on the weekends and keeping gas in my Mustang, figuring out how to get Tony to like me more, all those things, to one day, the very next day, I was obsessed with how to fold my underwear, how to keep my boots polished, how to keep in step with 30 other guys. My life completely changed. My perspective and my goals completely changed. When Jesus saves a person, when the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our hearts, life changes. My desires change. My priorities change, not just a little, because without Christ, whether we realize it or not, we're living for self. I'm protecting myself. I'm advancing myself. My life was, my days were filled with temporary pursuits that, that I would always almost get my hands on and then almost get to and then it would slip out again. Only, or I would get them, these goals, I would accomplish them and realize it's not all that it's cracked up to be. It doesn't bring the satisfaction that I thought it would. But now to know Jesus, to please Him, to know His will for my life, it's first and foremost. It has to be for each one of us as a believer. Our dreams change. Your idea of success today, your direction should change. Everything else should be in support of what does a thing mean to my soul now? My walk with Jesus. My walk knowing Him more. We measure every relationship, every circumstance, every plan from that point of view. Does this push me towards Jesus or not? What is a value of a thing to my soul and to me growing? I mean, that's what he said. Everything else is secondary. I also see my sin differently, like I said before, today. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. See, Paul knew that his sin was covered before the Father forever. He was justified before him. But he also knew that day in and day out there was a break. There could be a break in fellowship when he walked in sin. He understood that sin has consequences. One consequence is that there is broken fellowship with Jesus. He doesn't go anywhere. We're not lost. 
But that relationship, that fellowship, when we quench or grieve the Holy Spirit, that means we disappoint, we sadden the Spirit. So there's a break in that walk with Christ. But also there's a natural consequence in sin. When the Bible says all sin leads to death and destruction, it's not a metaphor. It is true. We were created, this world was created to not walk in sin. And so when we sin, it has natural consequences. In my life and in ministry. I have some friends, sometimes we get in these conversations about people that we know or stories that we hear about a pastor or somebody who falls and people say, well, we ought to have grace. You ought to, ought to forgive me. Yes, we should. But there are consequences to sin. Anyway, so that is a test for me in my relationship with Christ. How do I view my life now, today, And so I, I no longer see things according in relation to its temporary effect on my flesh or sinfulness simply feeding my own temporary desires. I see it in relationship to my walk with Christ. I seek to walk in a way that is pleasing to Him because He died to set me free from that. We should walk in victory. Romans 6.14 For sin will have no dominion over you. So how does that work? It was interesting to, um, to me. I read um, a story, an illustration by Martin Lloyd-Jones this week. Because I still struggle with sin. You still struggle with sin, right? Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Some days I feel like it does. So how does that work? Well, the illustration that Martin Lloyd-Jones gives, he says, imagine two fields that are separated by a highway, right? A road that's in between them. The field on the left is the domain of Satan. It's where sin reigns. It's where sin rules and dominates all who are in that field. And we were all born into that field. That's where we began life, and we lived in that field until the moment of our salvation. And at the moment of our salvation... We were transferred from the field on the left across the road to the field on the right as a result of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? For us and the application of that work to us by the Holy Spirit. We've been transferred, as Paul puts it in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. So we've had a change of locations. We've been transferred, right? We've been changed from this realm on the left of sin and darkness to the kingdom of light. And so in these fields, we've gone from the left one to the right, and now Jesus reigns and and righteousness is our home. That's where we reside. However, those fields are only separated by a road in this illustration. And we lived many years in, on the left. We've lived many years in that domain of darkness. And so the voice, we can still hear the voice of that domain calling out. We still hear the voice of our fallen nature, our sin. 
And though we're not under the dominion of that sin anymore, we can still hear it. And there's such a pattern, there's been such a pattern and habit in our lives from before when we lived in that field. And so Satan cannot touch me, but I still hear him calling. I still hear my flesh calling. And when I submit to that, then I don't allow myself to live and to to enjoy the blessing and the fellowship of being in the, the field with Jesus, the dominion of light. And so, so many people, I was talking with Justin and uh, Hudson this past week about this very, this very story. I was thinking, you know, it seems like all, a lot of Christians, we're, just, we're in this field now of righteousness, but we're all just pressed up against the fence, <laughs> listening back over to that field over there. When Jesus transfers us from darkness to light, He calls us to live in abundance and to grow in our walk, our understanding of what sin does. And we're not satisfied. We see danger in our sinfulness. Though we fall, yes, we don't accept it. We're not satisfied with that kind of life. We see danger in it. You see, the lost man just sees his life today as simply a continuation of yesterday. Boredom. The world is full of boredom, boredom, driven by this just lack of destination or meaning. And so, Everyone's filling their lives, filling their time with people and business and pleasure. When I come to Jesus and put my life in his hands, my my perspective has changed. Today is a journey towards Jesus and away from myself to know him, to know his will for my life. When I come to church on Sunday, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. I'm like, Lord, speak to me. I want to know you more. Draw me close to your side. When When I spend time in the word during the week and in prayer, I'm I'm asking God to speak. Speak to my heart. Guide my steps, Lord. I want to know you more. We're no longer struggling aimlessly, trying to fill our lives with meaning from these other things. We see life as Paul sees it. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, is first and foremost. That's my first priority. Everything else has to submit to that. And so we have a new perspective of our past, of our present, but also the future. Look in verse 13. He says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, this is a, I'm so glad Paul put this in here. (laughs) Because you read that other stuff and you know, you hear the message, those first two, I'm perspective and and sin has less control on me. I'm moving away. And I'm just like, okay, I'm trying, but. I'm not there yet. Paul says, I've not gotten there yet. But this is where I'm headed. This is where I'm pointing my nose. This is the direction that I'm going. This is the future. He remembers what his life was like. He sees his life now and he sees the future. He sees himself growing in his relationship with Christ. Ultimately in a climax of seeing Jesus face to face as he's going heavenward. 
Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Listen. Reflect on the promises of God. That this life is not all there is. Sometimes we think about death and we hold on awful tight to a, to a life that is full of pain and heartache. I'm not saying that we should try to go. I'm just saying we have paradise waiting for us. What a blessing it was. I, I tell the story all the time. It was such, changed me. I sat around my grandfather's deathbed and he's, Steve, sing hymns. Let's sing Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let's sing Because He Lives. All those things. He was swinging out into eternity on his faith that the promises of Jesus are true. We have hope. I have a good friend who, before he came to Jesus, he, we used to talk a lot, and, and he, he has dealt with some, some horrific things in his life and some abuse, and he's in, he was in several therapies a week. He saw several therapists a week, and one of the therapies that he went to was a group therapy, and everybody kind of had the same kind of story it was interesting because as he came to know Jesus, he told me, he said, you know, I, I'm not going to that group anymore. I said, well, why not? Because, I mean, the goal of coming to Jesus is not necessarily that you don't need counsel or any of those things. I was just like, so why did you choose that? He said, I stopped going because there was no hope in there. Everybody, we're all thinking back on what has happened and how it's affected us and all these things, but there was no next step for hope. It was more like just dealing with the consequences. He said, but I, I feel hopeful. I understand that my past doesn't dictate my future in Jesus. Like he's got a whole nother future for me. Yes, there are scars. Yes, I limp. Yes, there will be difficulties in, in regards to that. And, he's, and he still sees counselors and uh, another counselor and all those things. But he said, I have hope now. I know that my life is something in Christ Jesus. I know that he has a plan and a purpose for me. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11, that's true for all of us. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We come to Jesus because we realize our sinfulness and brokenness, and we, we need to be justified, made right before God. Yes, but when he comes in our lives, he gives us hope for the future, hope that the world around us does not have. We will be face to face with our Savior soon, very soon. One day I will pass from this life. I will stand face to face. Every one of us will and will either hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus talked about this kind of perspective change in life when he talked about the, the, the rich man, remember? He talked about the, the rich man who produced so much and he filled his barns up. And God, to, God said to him, Fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Now what? What will happen with all the stuff that you've spent your life getting? Satisfy Set right your relationship with Christ today. And if you have, then live with hope. 
live with a loose grip on this life. When I have the perspective that my eternity is now set in stone, it means a few things. It means I see this temporary life from that perspective. Life is temporary. I see the trials and hardships from that perspective. At the end of this road is paradise and is my Savior, and He's with me on this road. I see my loved ones from that perspective. I see my priorities in my own life from that perspective. The prize and the goal is to grow in my walk with Him, to release my grip on this world, and hold on to the promises of God for today and for eternity. He says in verse 12, Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Listen, Christ Jesus took hold of you. Not only to snatch you from the flames, although that is true, but for His pleasure and for His purposes in your life. That He might give you abundance, He might give you hope, and also that you might be a workable tool in His hands. So, the question for all of us this morning is, what is my perspective? What is my perspective of my life without Christ and the world's life without Christ? Do I think it's just like, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's a different way. Maybe there... No. Like Paul, we say, no, I was headed for destruction. But now Jesus has got a hold of me. What's your perspective? Are you celebrating that? What's your perspective of today? The things you have to do today, the way that you prioritize your life the way that you are setting your life goals up and all those things, is it first and foremost to honor the Lord in all your relationships, in all your, all your everything? To know Him more? Are you setting your life up like that? Are you putting space in your life to, to hear from Him, to sit in His Word and to say, God, speak to me. You've got me for a reason. And how's your perspective of what's coming? Remember Job said, I think we talked about it last week, though he slay me, I will trust him. That's crazy talk. Unless you have the perspective of a good and faithful, holy, perfect God has got me in the palm of his hand. Whatever he says, that's what I want. Because it will all end before the throne with every promise fulfilled. You have that today in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for the encouragement of your word. Thank you for the encouragement of uh, the Apostle Paul this morning. Lord, may we make sure first and foremost that our standing before you is right. God, it may be that we don't have a new perspective. It may be that we're still uncertain and doubt and aren't sure. God, may, pray that today would be the day that we come to the foot of the cross, repenting of our sin, confessing our sin, and trusting Jesus to save us, to cover our sin. It's not by our works, Lord. It's by your grace. That's first and foremost, God. And then your spirit changes our perspective. And so this morning, God, our, my prayer is not that we would all change our perspectives. My prayer is that we would all be sensitive and obedient to your spirit because we have your spirit within us. Your Holy Spirit is speaking to us, is encouraging us, is, is drawing us, is seeking to guide us day by day, every decision. 
is seeking to encourage us with your promises, but Lord, often we're just not listening. So Lord, may we make it a priority to be plugged in, listening to your spirit so that we might see life. We might see our past, our today, and our tomorrow through the perspective of your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name.